we're watching TV and we see a commercial for something. She's like, oh, that looks so good. And I just kind of file that away, right? And then the next day I'm like, remembering how we were watching that commercial about nachos? Like, guess what? <laughs> that kind of moment, it just lets someone know you're paying attention, which is all we all want, right? Just to be paid attention to. Welcome back. You're listening to Let It Out with me, your host, Katie Dalebout. This week is part two of my conversation with chef and writer Julia Tertian. Hopefully, if you're listening to this, you listened to last week's conversation. And if so, then you already know Julia and know her well. I am so happy that I got to connect with her. You heard about how we connected in last week's episode. And if you want to listen now, go ahead, but I highly recommend going back to last week's episode because I've been breaking up these episodes that are robust enough that both parts feel like we got into that good conversation volley and you know, I often say my podcast is always long. So, you know, around 45 minutes, we forget we're recording and we're just people with each other connecting. And that happened in this conversation for sure. And I don't even think it took 45 minutes. So it ended, we ended up talking for nearly three hours. So I broke this up into two parts. Last time we talked more about Julia's creative process and writing and, and cooking. And it was a really lovely part of the conversation. And if you are listening for the first time and and you don't know Julia, she is a chef and has co-authored numerous cookbooks with some really prolific people. And you'll hear more about that in in last week's episode. She co-hosts her own podcast, which we talk about this week and how connected food and eating and connecting over food is with what happens over a podcast. We both really love this medium because of how it fosters connection. And the two of us really connected, which is such a delight for me because Julia is so prolific in her work, but also as a person, just someone who I really think is easy to talk to, genuine, kind, cares about her work and other people in this way that I really admire. So this part two of the conversation, if you listened last week, I left us a sort of a cliffhanger where I was just about to share something pretty vulnerable about my relationship to food and cooking currently as it relates to living alone, moving into a studio apartment, living alone for the first time in years during the pandemic. And all of that colored by my very tumultuous relationship historically and currently (laughs) with food and my body and disordered eating for years. If you've been listening to the podcast, you know more about that. And I've written about that really openly on the internet. And I give a bit of an update there. And and I think Julia and I have a really great conversation about 
Well, you'll hear. <laughs> so we will pick up there. And later in this conversation, we get into talking about cooking for other people, cooking for yourself, cooking alone. We do the quick fire questions that I do every week. So, and they, they take a while, but we cover romantic relationships and friendship and her lessons on all of those things, as well as talking more about connection and her new cookbook, Simply Julia, which is so wonderful. And I really hope that if you like these conversations that you'll pre-order it and you'll support the work of someone who is just such a good person and my all of my interactions with her. I've just been so in awe of her grace and poise and how she interacts in the world. So her new cookbook or her past cookbooks, but I would love for you to keep in touch with her and support her this was a real delay. I want to get to it as quickly as possible, but quick housekeeping reminder, my membership, Creative Underdogs, which is a club for people in process. So if you like this podcast, you'll love that. I have previous podcast guests come and share a guest artist conversation once a month. We do a theme every single month. We start with, it's cyclical, right? So we do four months on and then we take a break and do four months on. So each season is a different theme. So we start with creating space. You can't take in until you create space. And then we focus on gathering. So gathering inspiration and really integrating all that we've gathered is the next phase, which is try. So trying and, and creating from the inspiration that you've gathered. And then sharing is the, the last phase. And that's when you put your work out for feedback and for other people to explore. And so this is not just for people with a creative project or a specific creative project. It's about bringing more creativity, which I really believe is just curiosity and mindfulness and care into any part of your life. So it's heavy on, you know, bringing in my old friends and artists. It's it's heavy on what I call my Dharma talks, where I'll talk about these themes and we'll relate with each other. And it's a supportive group workshop and it's open for new members until March 1st. So, and really till the end of that week, we'll let new people in. But after March 3rd, well, until March 3rd, we'll allow new people. And that's the day of our first workshop. And then in addition to the artist conversations and the Dharma talks, we also do a monthly co-working session. So it's a virtual co-working session where we just all get on Zoom and then say what we're going to be working on and do two Pomodoros together. Pomodoros are a productivity technique and it really just kind of jolts our creativity and productivity for the week. I would love to have you in it. No pressure, but the link is in the show notes. I will talk to you at the end. Enjoy the rest of my conversation with Julia. I heard you speak in, in a recent episode about the time consuming nature of cooking and that, you know, there's there's patience that is involved in this. And that's, I think, what I, I struggle with the most. And, and you give this example of, you know, looking at a carrot that needs to be peeled and, you know, that kind of being daunting. And I, I think... I struggle with putting in that time and I mean, this feels very vulnerable to me, but I'm embarrassed to say that like I often, I, I was living with people for a very long time in New York, I had roommates and, and when I got to LA and, and, and traveling, I was constantly around people and 
now I am a, you know, alone person who lives Mm -hmm. alone. And I often eat standing up, making the quickest thing possible. And I only put the time in if I'm cooking for others. And Mm -hmm. I'm wondering, which is not something that I ever did before, but I was kind of forced to recently. But I, I wonder if this is like old lingering eating disorder behavior for me, or if this is like cooking is scaring to me because mm-hmm. I I used to cook so much for myself in this really disordered way where it was mm. kind of like you were talking about where it was like, I only ate these few things and it was very measured. And I was afraid of snacking while I was cooking mm. and eating too, you know, what I would put in quotes now too much. And it was so overwhelming to me. And I was so rigid and dogmatic and controlling that when I moved to New York, I just stopped doing it altogether and ate mm. all of my meals out and on the go and learned a lot and, you know, ups and downs, but, but better. But anyway, I guess I'm just, just wondering what you would say to yourself or to someone who's really overwhelmed by cooking or cooking for mm. one, any advice that, that you would have? Sure. So I, before I was married, I lived alone for a really long time, like in a series of different studio apartments in New York. And I think that when, is this the first time you've lived alone? If you mind me asking. Yeah, I did when I was way younger and I lived alone right after college and and I was still pretty in my eating disorder back then. So I, that was like that time I was talking about where I was like, it. it was, I always call it like recently I've called it my like early pandemic because I lived alone. I was just like cooking for myself all the time because I had no fun. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I had no friends. I don't know. I have a few thoughts for whatever they're worth. One is that I think living alone is, I think a pretty amazing experience and like quite a way to get to know yourself and a good reminder that we're all like incredibly weird. (laughs) And like I, when I lived alone for so many years, I did many of the things you described and a lot of like, I didn't cook for myself very much, to be honest. I would cook when I was testing recipes for a book. Like, I would cook for work. I I also used to work a lot as a private chef, so I'd cook for work. And then the idea of... For me, the hard thing with cooking is not cooking. It's making a mess and, like, doing dishes and cleaning up because that is part of home cooking. So cooking for myself seems fine to me, but cleaning up after making kind of a mess because I cook myself a meal, that's when I'm like, no, no, no. (laughs) So that was like often where I drew the line and I would end up eating like really kind of, I don't know, odd things or things that like you sort of said earlier, the things that aren't actually odd, but not things I would necessarily serve to anyone else. And I always think about like when I make eggs for me and Grace, or if, you know, pre pandemic, we had friends staying with us at our house or family or whatever. I will crack those eggs in a bowl. I will whisk them together and then I'll put them in the pan and then make scrambled eggs. Whenever I cook eggs for myself, I just crack the eggs in the pan and stir them around with my spoon or spatula or whatever. Like the idea of dirtying that bowl in the fork or the whisk, I'm like, why would I do that? And then the eggs still taste totally fine, right? But I would never serve them like that for someone else because I don't think they look very nice. And But also like that would be fine if I serve someone else those eggs, like there would be nothing wrong with that. And there's also nothing wrong with dirtying a bowl for myself. But those were the kinds of decisions, you know, I still make like if I'm just making scrambled eggs for myself. So 
I don't know that I have an answer there. I just want to say that I don't think what you're describing is unusual. And I just, I think sometimes living alone can put you in such great touch with yourself and it can also sometimes feel lonely. And I think food is often a time that brings up that feeling like eating alone, all that kind of stuff. So I just want to say you're not alone in that. And I also think it's something I heard and what you said that I think is really interesting is, you know, you used to cook when it was at a time when you were, you know, living with an eating disorder, which I'm just, I know because you've shared that before in your work, but I just, I haven't talked to you about that. And I'm just, you know, sorry that that's part of your history and I'm sure ongoing, you know, something to deal with. So just don't want to just like let that go unsaid. And I think the fact that you, it sounds like when you were cooking, it was like, yeah, this way to stay restricted and controlled. And then you just stopped doing it and you went out and stuff like that sounds like you made in my view, like a wonderful decision. Like if cooking was this thing that gave you a sense of restriction and, you know, I don't know, stuff that maybe you don't want to have, feelings you don't want to have when you're cooking or eating, then not cooking is probably smart. <laughs> like, I don't think everyone needs to cook. I, you know, my books aren't for everyone. Like, I know that. Like, my books are for people who either want to cook or already enjoy cooking. Like, and I know that's not everyone and that's fine. But so those are just some thoughts that I wanted to share. But in terms of advice for anyone who maybe wants to cook but feels overwhelmed, I think that was kind of your question. Yeah. I want to thank you mm-hmm. for saying all of that. And I think I you really, like, that was like a watershed moment, what you said there. Because I think that was healing of me to just, totally. like, enjoy New York. And yeah, it was working until the pandemic where, like, I don't want to get takeout all the time. I don't. And I didn't do that at all. And so I was forced to, um, it it really forced me to reckon with this thing that Mm. anyway, so go on basically. Yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing that. It's good to hear. I mean, it's not good, but it's, you know, helpful (laughs) and good for more context. And I also think just as a side note, I, I mean, this might sound like really silly, but I think New York city is one of the hardest places to be a home cook because (laughs) one you're often in like a tiny kitchen Two, you're often like having to schlep groceries yeah, up and downstairs. Yeah. Roommates. I think also just, I find grocery shopping in New York to often be more expensive than eating out. Like it doesn't economically always make so much sense. And there's so many good options. <laughs> like, so anyway, that's just a thought about that. But yeah, for the person who maybe wants to cook more, wants to cook for themselves more, feels a little overwhelmed, First, I don't know if they're on your radar, but there's there are two cookbooks that come to mind that were written by two of my favorite women in food that are all about cooking for yourself. One is Clancy Miller, and her book is called Cooking Solo. And I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think the subtitle is like The Joy of Cooking for Oneself. And Clancy is also the founder and editor-in-chief of this amazing new magazine called For the Culture, which is really, really cool. So her book is great. And then another book is by the wonderful chef Anita Lowe. And that book is just called Solo, <laughs> also about cooking for yourself. And it's she's like an incredible writer. So I would really recommend those books because I think they would just be really helpful to anyone in that position and feel kind of less alone. But in general, my advice is the same for whether you're cooking for yourself or for other people is a few things. One, not every meal you eat has to be the best meal you ever ate. (laughs) One. Two, not every meal has to go on Instagram. And 
three, it sounds like I think we're both on the same kind of intuitive eating journey. And like, sometimes all I want is toast or sometimes all I want is like really buttery rice with like a ton of broccoli, which is what I had today. Like, I love that. I don't know. That like makes me feel really taken care of. Sometimes I just want those eggs cracked in the pan or whatever. Sometimes I don't want like a full meal or sometimes I want a lot of things and just not judging any of that. And I don't know. Another piece of advice is like, sometimes the best thing is just like a baked potato (laughs) and they're so good and I love them. And it's like, that requires like a toaster oven and like nothing else. And like, not every meal has to be some big production. So I think taking the stress out of cooking by just really embracing like the simplest stuff, because the simplest stuff is often the best stuff. So yeah, those are some thoughts. You also don't have to make everything from scratch. That's fine. I use like a lot of things that help me. I use frozen spinach all the time. Like I don't want to always wash my greens. And also like you buy spinach and it like looks like so much and it cooks down to nothing. (laughs) And it's like, so, you know, stuff like that, like take the help, take the shortcut. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm finding myself, so I turned 30 end of April last year. And so I woke up this morning just feeling like, oh my God, I'm about to be 31. Like how did that, and I think a lot of people are having that thought of like the passage of time being quite intense last year. But I think it's making me feel like I'm not quite a real adult. The fact that I don't mm. cook at the level to to other people right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, I have friends and, and I was actually living with these people and I observed this person and how he would feed himself and, and eat. And, and like you, you mentioned this eating alone, like there's something about that that's very like, Oh, I don't even like it's making me emotional even to say it. Just like there's this there's this melancholy to it that I don't think yeah. is bad and I think is actually can be really romantic sometimes. But like the idea, and this might be again my complex relationship with food, but the idea of sitting and feeding myself, like I have to do this thing to live. And uh-huh. it's so complex for me. And I hear I am doing it alone. And food is also connection and all these beautiful things. But to see this person who I admired, you know cooking and stopping and feeding himself. It was almost like confounding to me where I was just like running around like on coffee and a granola bar and eating a lot of peanut butter and fruit because it's just like the quickest thing I could grab (laughs) instead of like taking that time for myself. And that contrast has really shaken me. And I'm really trying to to do the opposite action here and, and like grow from that. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's hard when we just start to compare ourselves. I mean, it's amazing to have examples and other models and like see people up close, like, you know, oh, you do this thing that I do, but you do it so differently. Like that can be so eye-opening, but like it's also a slippery slope because then it's like, well, should I be doing it that way? <laughs> like, and maybe I don't know this person, obviously, but I'm like, well, what's he avoiding if he's taking all this time cooking? <laughs> that's fair yeah like Uh, who knows I mean we all have our stuff right like I don't know I feel like there's nothing wrong with peanut butter yeah 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 I do eat a lot of peanut butter for a grown-up well okay so the other thing that that I want to talk about on the other end of this coin is you know my best friend Carolina who who we know from this podcast (laughs) she you know as you know is a chef and she said once we were like at a dinner and she's like very casually said, well, you know, I think that cooking for someone is the most intimate thing you can do. And that always stuck with me. And I, I literally like never 
cooked for someone before this pandemic. And maybe I'd like prepared something or like grabbed leftovers, but I had never like, I had cooked for myself and I knew in this, you know, kind of dogmatic way what I liked and could make that. But I was forced to to cook and kind of have not dinner parties, but like with my pod, I would like make food for for the the small amount of people I was seeing and really just to reciprocate all the meals that were made for me. And I I like it. And I also it also really stresses me out. But I think the the coolest part of it is learning what someone likes and mm-hmm like playing it's just like i like to get a laugh you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and i'm sure you relate to this this so much but like we all want to feel seen and recognized and if you can do that when you're cooking for someone i think that's that's really cool so i guess i would just you know frame this to you as what advice do you have for cooking for you just gave me so much good advice for cooking for one but what about cooking for others Mm. I think it's it's just what you said. It's like it's an opportunity to let someone know that they are like heard and seen. So I think just as simple as like asking someone <laughs> what they might be in the mood for. But I think also taking care of yourself in that exchange because sometimes I think that can open you up to like something you're not in the mood for, mm, <laughs> you know, and then totally. you're the one cooking. So codependency like, cooking. <laughs> totally. Like so I think if it's something like I used to do this when I worked as a private chef because I mean, that's like a whole other topic for another day, but like I wanted my clients as much as possible to feel like they were heard and seen and all that, and they were in control of what they were eating and it was their choice. But that job also requires like a ton of planning. (laughs) So I would say to someone like, oh, for this dinner, you know, whatever the occasion was, I was thinking about like this roast chicken, I keep talking about roast chicken, or like this, whatever, like something else. And I would sort of like make it seem like these spontaneous two options, <laughs> like that I just thought of, right? But like, I had all the ingredients for either one, like, it would be cool if we went either way. So I mean, that's like a little bit more, I don't know, manipulative, <laughs> and like, more sort of a professional thing, but it just came to mind. So I think coming up with like options or something that you know that person's going to like, but that you like too. Cause if you're cooking, like you should enjoy it too. I don't know. I feel that way, but I think, yeah, really just paying close attention to someone. I think of it just like when it comes time to get someone a gift, whether it's for their birthday or a holiday or just, you know, to say thank you to someone or whatever it might be, the best gifts I've received. I think this is true for a lot of people are like not anything at all fancy or anything like that. It's usually like, is it like some experience with a friend or is it like some little tiny funny object that someone got that like reminded them of you? That's the best, right? I remember that thing I thought of you. So I think moments like that can happen a lot with food. You know, my wife will mention, I don't know, we're watching TV and we see a commercial for something. She's like, oh, that looks so good. And I just kind of file that away. Right. And then the next day I'm like, remembering how we were watching that commercial about nachos? Like, guess what? (laughs) Like that kind of moment, it just lets someone know you're paying attention, which is all we all want, right? Just to be paid attention to. Yeah. Yeah. We all just want to be seen and recognized. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. Okay. This is now your third cookbook, correct? Wait, that's right, right? Kind of. That should be a really easy answer, but I, it's, I consider it my third solo cookbook, but I think sometimes some people consider it my fourth because I also did a book. 
Okay, so the other two that I'm talking about are my first solo cookbook, Small Victories, and then my next one was Now and Again, and now I have this new one, Simply Julia. But between Small Victories and Now and Again, I got to put together a book called Feed the Resistance, which had like over 20 contributors to it. So I am like listed when you go to whatever book website you go to, like I'm listed as the author. But to me, that is very much like a collaborative project that belongs as much to all those contributors as it does to me. So I guess it's my like third and a half. I don't know. I think it's my third book, whatever. Not important, but yeah. I love that. I didn't actually know about that, that collaboration cookbook. So I didn't write that one down, but. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. I do want to talk about Simply Julia, but first I really love what I love about your books is that they're cookbooks with a, a theme behind them that each one, I, I watched the like book trailers to each of them today. And I'm wondering if quickly you could just talk about the concept as well as now and again, before we talk about Simply Julia, because I just sure. think they're so useful. Small Victories, let me see how fast I can do this. Small Victories is a book with a ton of recipes that are really easy recipes for home cooks. And every recipe um, has something called a small victory attached to it, which I consider like a tip or a technique that makes making whatever that recipe is like a little bit easier. So it's sort of helping to demystify a lot of things that happen when you're cooking at home. And to kind of further bring that point home, every single recipe is followed by a number of what I called spinoffs, and they're just kind of variations. So if you can make this one recipe, you can actually make like these five recipes, essentially. So once you know this small victory, this tip or technique, like you've unlocked all these different things you can do. So it kind of shows like the flexibility of home cooking. Now and Again is a book organized by menus, and it is all about Again, really simple home cooking. And then after all the recipes that compose each menu is a bunch of ideas for ways you can reinvent the leftovers from all those dishes. So some of the ideas combine things and, you know, some just use one element of whatever's leftover. And that book stemmed entirely from my love of leftovers and my desire to convert everyone who hates them <laughs> and to just like remind people that they are... I think just like the most useful thing to have in your kitchen because you've already done all the hard work and then you can just be like creative and fun and yeah, get like another meal out of it. So I think that kind of sums up both those books. I love that. I love that. And yeah. that can be so helpful in intuitive eating to have food on hand that you've made and prepared. And so I, I love the concept of totally. that. Okay. So congratulations on this new book. I'm so oh, excited about Simply Julia what was the process of this book? What is the concept of this book? Mm -hmm. And with it being released in the in the midst of the pandemic, I know that you I know that you always have a long lead time for these sorts of projects. So where were you in the process when you sure. knew about the pandemic? Okay, so I'll start from the beginning, which was pre-pandemic. The books I just described to you, Small Victories and Now and Again, I had these books in my head for a really long time. I had the titles, I had the concepts, I had the organizing principles. <laughs> I could like close my eyes and visualize them before I started working on them. For Simply Julia, it was, it was really different. And I had a sense of the recipes that I wanted to include. I knew I wanted recipes that were easier than ever. And I've always made really simple recipes, but I wanted this to be 
just like the most approachable, accessible book that I've ever made. I knew that. I knew I wanted all the recipes to be this kind of healthy comfort food. And I can get into that a little bit more about like what that means to me, because I think both those words are actually have a lot of baggage (laughs) attached to them. And then like you combine them and it's like, okay, what does that even mean? And I came to that because my wife, Grace, basically I have always loved to cook, as I mentioned, and I've loved food from like around the world and from around the country and just from so many different people in my life. And like, I basically just, all my memories are based on like whatever I ate, (laughs) you know, with whoever I was with or wherever I was. So it's been how I have just kind of defined my life. So it's often really hard for me to describe the kind of food I cook. Like if someone's like, oh, you like to cook? Like what kind of food do you make? Like I never know how to answer that question because I'm like, I make so many different things. And Grace, my incredibly intelligent and wonderful wife, I was like struggling to describe the food that I knew I wanted to have in this cookbook, all the recipes. And she was like, Julia, you make healthy comfort food. Like that's what you make. And so that's kind of where that came from. And to me, healthy comfort food is food that allows you to feel all the things you and I have been talking about, you know, this whole time, like allows you to feel incredibly taken care of and supported and free, like freedom when it comes to eating and cooking feels really important to me. You know, it's not about, you know, how much kale are you eating or anything like that. It's not about restriction of any kind. It's about pleasure and taking care of oneself and also then being able to take care of other people. So that's what that is for me. And in terms of the title of the book, Simply Julia, like putting healthy comfort food as the subtitle under that, my mom suggested the title like years ago to me. It's been on like a little mental post-it note in my head for a long time. But I, it took me a while to kind of lean into it. And I basically came up with, I don't know, a hundred other titles for this book and none of them really fit. And then I was talking to my editor and I was like, oh, my mom said, a while ago, like Simply Julia, and she like loved it. And I think part of why I hesitated with that because was just putting myself really front and center. But I'm glad I did because I think it goes back to, I think what I was talking about earlier when you asked me about working with different collaborators. And I think the thing I learned is write the story that only you can tell. And to me, I this is the most personal book I've done. So it it feels increasingly comfortable to have, you know, my name and myself, like my face <laughs> on the cover. So I'm I'm leaning into it. And yeah, in terms of the timing, you know, I think about like fractions and teaspoons and stuff all day, but I'm so bad with dates. But <laughs> I basically, I think that I pitched this book, which meant, you know, I wrote a book proposal and kind of shopped it around. I pitched and then sold this book to the publisher who has been so great to work with. I think it was about two years ago, more or less. So like late winter, early spring, 2019, which is to say totally pre-COVID. And then I, you know, we figured out the title and all the stuff and I got to working on all the writing and I wrote all the recipes. I did all the writing. Grace, my wife actually tested every recipe in the book and I had a lot of friends and family cross test recipes. So all the words for the book were like done in, it was like January, February, 2020. So right before COVID or before COVID in this country, I guess, or we knew about it. I don't know how to phrase that, but anyway, like January or February, 2020. And then 
things changed a lot. And I was like in the middle of planning a photo shoot with a photographer who lives in the city and Grace and I live a couple hours outside of the city. I was going to rent like an Airbnb for that photographer and like an assistant. And I was going to hire one or two people to help me cook and do the prop styling and stuff. And then that all just felt like, you know, hit the brakes. Like this is not happening. And I was actually thinking big time about postponing the book because it just didn't seem like a huge priority. And photographing a cookbook is not like the most important thing in the world and should only ever be done if it can be done safely. Like it's not worth the risk. So I was ready to put it on hold. And then I remembered this amazing, amazing woman, Melina Hammer, lives like 10 minutes from me. And she is a really gifted food photographer who's also like a really gifted food stylist and prop stylist. And it's incredibly rare to find two of those things in one person, <laughs> like let alone like all three. And also we live in a pretty like random place. So I really lucked out and I reached out to her and she was game to collaborate with me. And it was unlike any photo shoot I've ever done. And it was just the two of us, no other assistants except for incredibly supportive spouses. And we took about a month to do it. And I would prepare everything at home, put it in containers and have a list of notes about how I wanted things to look. And I would drop that off on Melina's doorstep <laughs> like every morning. And then she would take it from there and she would put the finishing touches and photograph it. And we were texting all day, you know, do you want the napkin here? <laughs> like going back to the napkin. And that is how this book was made. And so we were able to kind of keep it on schedule, which, you know, I'm grateful to have been able to work through the pandemic. I'm grateful to have been able to give Melina that work and, you know, we could do it safely. And I'm really happy it's coming out now because I think, you know, it's coming out on basically a year of all of us, if we're, you know, lucky enough to do so, to be staying home. And I think people are cooking more than ever. And I think people are burnt out from cooking more than ever. And I know I am often. <laughs> and I think this book in many ways responds to this moment that I did not even know was going to exist. And I just, I think that it will be really helpful for a lot of people. And I hope that is true. Mm. So, Yeah. That, thank you for sharing that. I think the title, when I saw it, it felt so correct of everything, like a culmination of the, the work that you've done on yourself and all the experiences that you've had with other people now it's like, ugh, it felt like an exhale, like, just mm -hmm. Julia, like, oh, that, <laughs> and it made me so happy because you as, as one of them, but when my favorite artists, like one of my favorite musicians albums from last year, it felt, my friend said this, actually, he was like, it feels like her, I forget exactly what he said, but like her being more, most herself in this piece mm. of work. And so far, that's what I feel of, of this book for you, which is really cool. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, I mean, the best way to sum it up that I know is I just recently got to hold my first copy of it. And my um, editor had sent me a few copies, you know, from the first run from the press or whatever the right phrases. So I got this box of books is what I'm trying to say. And I sent one to my parents and my mom called me and was like, it feels like you're here. And I was like, perfect. That is, you know, like mission accomplished. And, and now you can be everywhere. <laughs> yeah, 
apparently. I can be in like more than one place at a time. You oh. did it. <laughs> I don't have to ask you the superpower out. question. <laughs> oh, I love that. This week's episode is brought to you by Public Goods. Rather than buying from a bunch of different single product brands, Public Good members can buy all their premium essentials in one place with beautiful, streamlined packaging. I love their aesthetic. Public Goods searches the globe to find really great, eco-friendly, innovative products. I have been using their toilet paper, which I really love. Their dish soap smells so good. Their hand soap their tampons and pads. I really, really like everything that they make and I like that it comes right to me. They make this mustard that I'm very into. These are essentials with you know, an affordable price, everything from coffee to shampoo, pet food. Public Goods is your new everything store, thoughtfully designed for the conscious consumer. They ethically source everything and obsessively develop each of their products to be free of unhealthy ingredients and harmful additives that are still common in a lot of grocery store and drugstore shelves. So knowing what's in your products is important and I really love that this company takes so much care. Small changes in the way that we shop can make a big impact on the world at large. They also plant one tree for every order placed and incorporate sustainability into every part of the company. So join hundreds and thousands of others who have switched to their new everything store. We've worked out an exclusive deal just for Let It Out listeners, you, to receive $15 off of your first public goods order with no minimum purchase. That's right. They are so confident that you will absolutely love their products and come back again and again and again that they are just giving you $15 to spend on your first purchase on anything you want. You have nothing to lose. So just go to publicgoods.com slash Katie, K-A-T-I-E, and use the code Katie at checkout. That's public, P-U-B-L-I-C-G-O-O-D-S dot com forward slash Katie, K-A-T-I-E. Interrupting this episode to remind you about the new app that I love, Stereo. Stereo is a conversation app that you can join the conversation. Basically, you can eavesdrop on two people talking. So me and a previous guest, Camilla Ingstrom, did the podcast and did my stereo show. Madeline did the podcast and did the stereo show. I'm going to get Christine on there. Angie Choi did it. Join this week. Thursdays at noon is when I usually do the show and I would love for you to be there. Join the app, follow me, and you can leave voice messages during the conversation and participate, which is really cool. Julia will be doing one with me in a couple of weeks. So watch out for that. Make sure you're following the Let It Out Instagram so you can see when that is. And then you can ask Julia questions yourself and really join this conversation. Today's episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens, the most comprehensive daily nutritional beverage I've ever had. There's a lot of stressors in our lives and maintaining everything that our body needs nutrient-wise can be tough. That's where Athletic Greens comes in. They can help you. It's a superfood powder. That's your nutritional essential. It's by far the easiest way to get 
everything that your body needs nutrition wise and a really great healthy routine to add to your day one scoop of athletic greens contains 75 minerals vitamins and whole food sourced ingredients including a multivitamin multi-mineral probiotic greens a superfood blend it all works together to fill these nutritional gaps in your diet increase energy and focus aid with digestion supports a healthy immune system all without needing to take multiple products i really am into this product i take it every morning i have it with some warm water with lemon and then i have my athletic greens and i have it before coffee and it I'm into it. I think you'll like it too. It's really great. And right now, Athletic Greens is doubling down on supporting your immune system in the winter months. So they're offering my audience a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. If you use my link today, you'll basically never have to buy vitamin D ever again. So whether you're looking for peak performance or better health or just covering your basis nutritionally, simply visit athleticgreens.com com slash Katie and join me and a lot of other people who are taking athletic greens every day. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash Katie. That's A-T-H-L-E-T-I-C-G-R-E-E-N-S.com slash Katie for your free year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs. Okay, I could talk to you forever. I'm really enjoying this, but I don't want to keep <laughs> you too. all night. So let's just do the rapid fire questions, but sure. I'm going to yeah. throw in a couple that like aren't that quick. <laughs> okay, sounds good. And I'll try to be quick on them. Okay, yeah, I we'll know, take your time. What is the best thing you've eaten in the last week other than the broccoli rice thing, though, which sounds <laughs> very good and I'm probably going to make tonight? <laughs> <laughs> the best thing I've eaten in the last week is, well, I've eaten a lot of it because I made a huge pot of it, but chicken soup. Mm. Do you have a favorite meal or dining experience that that you can remember? Well, right now, the first thing that comes to mind, I'm looking at a picture of me and Grace on the day we got married and we had, because I keep it like in front of my computer, and we had the night of our wedding, we had a tiny wedding, like 10 people. and we took over the back table at Bouvette, which is a really amazing tiny restaurant in the West Village run by Jody Williams. And I got to work with Jody and her cookbook and got to know her. And I just love her. And I just thought if anyone else was going to cook that night, because I wanted to cook and Grace was like, you're not cooking. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're not working. So Jody made dinner for this table of our like closest family and stuff. And it was just such a good meal. So, mm-hmm. yeah. I love that so much. You asked this question on your podcast, and so I'm going to offer it to you. What was something that you loved as a kid growing up (laughs) food-wise? I loved so much. And that's why I write so many cookbooks, because I just write all the recipes for things I loved when I was growing up. But the first thing to come to mind, and there's actually a recipe for it in Small Victories, Jenny, my babysitter, who was my babysitter for like my entire childhood and is still like one of the closest people in my life. Jenny's pilau, which is like a one pot chicken and rice meal. There's a recipe for it in Small Victories. Disclaimer, it's like not as good as Jenny's. It's really, really good. It's like something I make all the time and I love it, but it's just like, it's never going to be hers, right? Because like, unless she's making it, 
but I, that was like my favorite thing to eat when I was growing up. It's like the most comforting thing in the world. And it reminds me of one of my just favorite people. Mm, I love that so much. So when I was preparing for this, speaking of being a kid, I was preparing for this and I stumbled across this old article of yours where you wrote about a Valentine's Day party you hosted and you said- You dug deep. (laughs) I did. When I was six, I threw a black tie Valentine's Day party for my family and our closest friends. I wrote out a grocery list and a timetable for the evening. My father wore his tuxedo. My dress was black and white and red, but I was careful not to change into it until I had set out the platters of butter cookies filled with raspberry jam and cream cheese sandwiches stamped with a heart-shaped cookie cutter. I loved that so much. We're speaking <laughs> Valentine's story. week. So I would love if you could talk. I want to talk about love a little bit, but first, like, Valentine's Day. Have do you have a really good Valentine's Day memory other than that one or are you and Grace doing anything special this year? I mean, that was probably like the best the peak. One ever. <laughs> yeah. I think I Where do you go from six. there? Yeah, you just <laughs> don't. I think that's probably also the last time I wore a dress. <laughs> Grace and I are like not that I kind of feel like this is so cheesy. I know it is, but I just feel like every day is Valentine's Day. Like we don't I don't think we've ever done anything for Valentine's Day, and I don't think we have any plans to, but I always think of it, one of our my closest family friends who I grew up with, this guy, Kevin, it's his birthday, so I always think Aww, of it as just, it's Kevin. Kevin's birthday. Yeah. <laughs> That's so sweet. Was he at the party? <laughs> he may have been. That's a good question. There's pictures somewhere. I love that. He was probably there. If yeah. you find the pictures and you feel comfortable, maybe we can, maybe we can oh, share. Oh, sure. I'll have to look. I haven't... <laughs> I know they exist somewhere. My mom might have them, but yeah, I'll keep you posted. If okay, I can yeah, pick let them me up. Well, okay. So in this episode with Dr. Bacon, which I've spoken about 1 million times, but it really hit me hard yesterday. There was this, this quote I actually wrote and, and read out loud to my friends last night, but they were talking about things that make us human, you know, the things we turn to and, you know, living not despite them, but because of them and essentially mm-hmm. coping mechanisms, I, I think. And so I'm wondering, you know, when you feel out of balance, what are some things that you turn to mm-hmm. or not out of balance, but off and and how do you come back and, and feel more yourself? Yeah. Wonderful question. I take a lot of walks. I'm a big fan of just walking. <laughs> Me too. Um, I'm such a pedestrian. Yeah. <laughs> It's like the only thing I miss from living in the city is yeah, sidewalks. Same. same. <laughs> like, I treat LA like it's New York and everyone thinks I'm strange. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is kind of my go-to. Like I've never felt worse after taking a walk and I go for lots of them like in pretty much all weather. So yeah, that's like the thing I do the most in that moment and it always works for me. So, mm. Do you listen to things while you're walking? Yeah, I listen to either podcast or sometimes I listen to music and I've started, I used to listen to podcasts at like one and a half and I was talking to my therapist about just my like, I don't know, like over productivity and workaholism and stuff. And somehow I let that slip and she was like, please listen to them at like the regular speed. (laughs) Like I'm in like such a rush just to, you know listen to all the episodes and it's like no just listen to it at like one (laughs) yeah that's funny I didn't even realize that you could do that until you know I've been I've been doing this 
for you know 300 so long. episodes yeah. yeah for a long time and so people will find it and they'll be like oh there's an archive and um and i cringe you know because i was 22 when i started it but <laughs> but often people tell me because it's so long they listen at like devil's speed <laughs> that's how i knew it existed <laughs> yeah it's i mean sometimes it's useful for certain things but yeah in general i'm just trying to not be in such a rush for sure i love that so Speaking of podcasting, I think there's such a connection between cooking and food eating and podcasting because sitting down to a meal is essentially the original podcast, you know? It's <laughs> yeah, a time totally. where, you know, we're off our phones and we're connecting and, you know, there might be eavesdropping, there might not be, and, you know, there's bites instead of mics, I guess. <laughs> but, um, you know, do you see that connection and what do you like about podcasting? Mm. Um. I totally see that connection. And, you know, I think the best part of any meal that you share with others is like not what you're eating. It's that it's a vehicle for like conversation and connection. And honestly, it can be with yourself. You know, we were talking a lot about cooking and eating just you, not you specifically. Well, you specifically, but <laughs> <laughs> whatever. Anyway, you get it. So for me, podcasting is very similar. And what I love most about it, I love it. I really, really enjoy it. It's something I really look forward to. It's like something I do because no one is like asking me to do it. Like it's very self-propelled and I keep doing it because I feel that amazing sense of connection. Um, I feel it talking to you. You know, it's, I think it's rare in our fast paced lives and our lives that are so connected on so many different devices and platforms and stuff. It's rare to just sit and just talk to someone and really listen to someone and to feel heard and, you know, in both directions. And I cherish that. And I also think the minute you put a microphone in front of someone or, you know, you're recording something, you can just ask people whatever you want. You know, like if you and I met for dinner, I don't know that we would have had the conversation we've had. And I think I'm sure we would have had a really nice time and it would be nice to eat a meal and all that. Like, I don't, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I think podcasting leads to conversations that are, you go real deep, real fast. And yeah, I think it's powerful and I value it. Yeah, me too. I completely agree on what you just said. And I'm, con I actually just wrote a post about that on Let It Out today because the conversation intimacy that I have developed because I'm so, I'm more comfortable podcasting than I am I think in real life where mm -hmm. I'm com completely in charge I have notes I it, it's kind of like we totally. were talking about with control and cooking you know and I, I can totally go get that. deep very quickly and I went on this date in Paris like two years ago and I was there and I was interviewing the person and it did not go well and <laughs> I didn't allow for like to talk about like what was around us or to I hadn't I had had a breakup like recently and I hadn't done that in so long that like a date so I didn't know how to how to talk about just like what was happening in the world and, mm -hmm. and learn things slowly about a person I was just mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. so where'd you grow up and the thing and brothers and sisters and the thing and like yeah it, it, it was wild it's like I go when I feel uncomfortable I, I ask a question but yeah it's there's something really beautiful, I think, about this medium where you can go deep with people quickly. I think also it's valuable when, 
you know, you said to me before we started recording, and I say to all my guests before we start recording, a very similar spiel, which is like, this is not live. Like, you know, if you want to say something differently or, you know, you wake up tomorrow and you feel uncomfortable about something. So you immediately create this atmosphere of safety. And that's big. And it's something that feels so to me like automatic and natural to do on a podcast. But like, I don't sit down with my friends and say, this is not live. (laughs) You know, if you want to, whatever. It is Maybe I should. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I'm like having such a meta moment. I'm like, my brain's about to like short I know. I know. There's definitely a, there's a safety to it that I, I find very comforting. And and I Mm -hmm. always want to make my guests, you know, and that my show is so long that I think after, you know, 45 minutes, we can forget we're recording and just be people with each other. And that is because you probably feel, hopefully feel safe, you know, and safe that like, if you do zone out and just are having a good time and talk about something that you couldn't talk about or don't want to talk about, you can tell me and I'll, I'll respect that because this is not a gotcha show. Like I want to make you sound as great as you are and as great as you possibly can be. And that's the only reason why I edit. Totally. And like editing is amazing and <laughs> like something I wish we had more opportunities to do in life. Totally. Like imagine oh, if you could go back and just cut out 10 minutes. From, oh, like- <laughs> it's so funny, Julia. I had a, I had a friend on a podcast, someone I lived with actually, he, he came on the podcast a couple episodes ago. And as I was editing that, I, I was most, I mostly edited myself and I saw, mm-hmm. because I know this person and have, you know, a complex relationship with them. And I, saw things that I was saying that I knew I was so in my ego and it was so uncomfortable for me to hear that. And I knew exactly why I said that. I was like, Oh, I said that because maybe this person will hear it. Or I said that because like in life, I don't get to do that. I just walk away from the conversation being like, I feel weird. But in podcasting, I was able to like hear that was my Mm -hmm. ego. This was myself. And I had the luxury of removing my ego from the conversation. Totally. Totally. That is rings really true for me. I most of my edits are editing me out of the conversation. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's really interesting. What is your greatest lesson on creativity? Oh. I think my greatest lesson on creativity is there's always another way to do something. Mm. Greatest lesson on family. Mm. You can define it. Mm. On friendship. I think the same, you can define it. And I think also like really paying attention to how you feel when you're with the people you call your friends. And I think if you, I'm someone who's like called a lot of people my friend and I'm friendly with a lot of people, but knowing the difference between being really friendly with someone, like I feel like I'm a pretty friendly person. I'm, you know, room temperature, (laughs) but I'm not friends with everyone and that's okay. And I think knowing if I feel like really anxious around someone, like that might be a sign that I should listen to. Like, so I think, yeah, paying, being very self-aware in your experiences with other people to kind of help you define what a friend is and what kind of friend you are. Oh, wow. That was an aha moment for me when you said, if you're feeling really anxious around someone, that's maybe not. Because I, I have a lot of friends that I feel anxious around. Mm-hmm. And I know part of that is probably my anxiety and, and, and doesn't have anything to do with them. But 
often I, yeah, it's like wanting to be net liked and yeah, maybe it's just, maybe there's something there that it's not quite a match. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. What is your greatest lesson on romantic relationships? Hmm. That just communication is like the most romantic thing and also the hardest thing. I mean, that sounds like really like, Ooh, (laughs) but it's, I mean, it's so hard, but it's so worth it. And it's, and it can be like the most intimate thing to really communicate with someone. Yeah. Yeah. So true. What are your thoughts or lessons on social media and your relationship to it? Oh gosh. Um, (laughs) I have a hard time with it. I have a really hard time with it. And I am working on that. And by working on that, I mean trying to limit my time on it. But that actually brings up a lot of like feelings about like almost like like the kind of restrictive eating things. Like in the past, if I was like, okay, I'm not eating whatever type of food or something, then that's all I wanted. (laughs) So I feel that way a lot with social media. And I'm just trying to, the advice my therapist gave me that I have found incredibly helpful, which I'm really happy to share because it's been so helpful to me is to just, I think it's the same with food too, but like in those moments when I'm just wanting to scroll, which is usually me wanting to avoid something else or numb myself, that's usually what's happening for me. In those moments to not judge myself about it and to not necessarily restrict myself or restrain myself, but just to, in her words, to just be curious and just ask myself, like, what am I looking for when I'm going to this? And that question, like framing it that way has been so helpful for me. And often I'm like, oh, I'm just avoiding calling our plumber and dealing with the situation <laughs> or, you know, whatever it is. Like, I'm not, I don't actually want to look at Instagram. It's just such a habit. Yeah. I, I have this habit I don't like of, I'm not used to driving and I'll pull into my apartment and like grab my phone to go inside. And I'll just like, very habitually go to Instagram and start scrolling and then five minutes pass before I get out. I'm like avoiding getting out of the car and walking upstairs, Mm -hmm. which is like so silly, but it's just so funny how these things like we just, yeah, we just want to avoid it. It's very strange. Yeah. And they're, I mean, they're engineered for us to do that, right? Like (laughs) it's, yeah, it's not like, it's like diet culture, right? Like they want you to feel this way. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. How do you feel about spirituality, God? What do you think happens when we die? All of that. Oh, um, quick rapid fire. I yeah, just, <laughs> just a quick one. <laughs> I feel, um, well, I'll answer in reverse. I mean, I have no idea what happens when we die, but I am not that scared of it. And I'm, I'm really into the idea of like, I can't remember what it's called. There's like a word for this, but like, it's basically... I'm going to get this wrong and I want to get it right, but it's like some kind of like eco, like green death where essentially you become like compost and you can like turn into a tree. And I, I don't know, that feels right to me. And maybe that's because I deal with a lot of like cooking is dealing with dead things, right? (laughs) Like it's dealing with, you know, vegetables that are no longer in the earth or animals if you eat you know, if you're not vegetarian or vegan. And I think it's really about giving those things a different life. So they give you life. And, you know, I think about this stuff a lot. So I like the idea of being kind of folded into something else. 
And I like the idea of people who, you know, meant a lot to me who are no longer here that, you know, they could be living through the earth in some way. That feels nice to me. So I guess that answer might indicate to you something about my sense of like spirituality and stuff, which is, I feel very interested in and invested in connection. I mean, I grew up in a very like secular Jewish home. I don't really practice any religion, but I feel, I definitely believe like there's stuff bigger than any of us. And within that is stuff that keeps us all very connected and close together. And I believe in energy. I mean, that sounds really woo-woo. And what does that even mean? But I just, I don't know. That's something I believe in. And I just feel really moved by most things in the natural world. And I just think the natural world is just laughing at us humans most of the time. <laughs> like, you think you're so smart, but you have no idea what you're doing. And like, we know how to do so much. So I try to pay attention to that. Yeah. Mm, I like that. I think it's so interesting to find out what people believe, you know? Yeah. Oh, totally. It's like um, on being. Right? Yeah. You always oh, ask that. Yeah. I love Krista Tippett so much. <laughs> okay. This is really just a way to recommend things. But, you know, I sometimes frame this as like you're trapped on a deserted island and you can only bring the following, but these can be all-time favorites or just things that pop into your mind right now. But book, movie, song, a place that you love, podcast perhaps, um, and maybe a, maybe even a food. So just, hmm. you know, re to recommend okay. things. Well podcast i'm like so into maintenance phase aubrey gordon and michael hobbs's podcast i think it's amazing and it's so well researched and they are so fun together and they're so smart and i've been learning so much and i'm so glad it exists and i just think it's amazing so that what's it called I would bring maintenance phase oh my god you're gonna love it yeah i'm excited oh my oh you're oh my gosh i'm so <laughs> I'm so excited to know you haven't listened to it and you have so much to look forward to, but also not too much because it's like pretty new. Like I think they've done maybe six episodes. Oh, so good. Okay. you won't be overwhelmed and you're going to just one and a half. Speed. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. I please let me know what you think. Cause I think you're going to love it. Okay. So I would bring that. I would bring, um, Oh my God, a book. That's so impossible to pick one. I don't know. I might pass on that. I don't know if I can pick one. No worry about that. <laughs> movie. I, is, did you ask me about a movie? Yeah. Maybe? Okay. My favorite movie. Um, oh, also like impossible. I mean, I think the movie I've seen more than any other movie is probably Dirty Dancing. So maybe I don't need to bring it because I've seen it so many times. I've um, actually never seen it. I got to watch oh, it. Oh, wow. I mean, you don't have to. I mean, if you want to. It's been on my list. <laughs> I really love Coco. I think that movie is amazing. Is that an animated one? Yeah. And it's like all about death and it's like amazing. It's amazing. Um, so that, and then um, a song. Oh, I'm so bad with music. I love music, but I like never know who's singing what. And I get the lyrics wrong Getting to everything. anxious about this question because I'm like, I wouldn't know how to answer these. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you five foods I would bring. That okay, makes me great. Feel not stressful. Okay, I would bring olive oil, 
I would bring lemons. I would bring, I think, either potatoes or sweet potatoes. I would bring eggs. I don't know what number I'm at. Bread. Oh, yum. So good. Butter. Yeah. I mean, these are all, I mean, I don't know if they're that exciting, but I feel like I can make so many things with all that garlic. So true. Okay. I love that. It's so funny. I, I went to this, when I was in New York, I got to go upstate to this bed and breakfast and stay there. And I just like worked from there. And it was this, I didn't know this, but it was like mostly just like a place people get married. So it was like me right after a breakup, like there to write. And then all these couples like coming in to look at their wedding location. (laughs) (laughs) And so one night I like drank wine with this couple about to get married. And the woman was like, I asked them this question. I was like, what's your favorite food or whatever? And they kind of like, they knew each other so well that, that the, the dude was like, oh, she could just have a, um, good hunk of bread and and a canned fish and like always be fine. And I was like, that's, I felt so seen. I was like, me. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Yeah. I'd be fine with those too. Yeah. I'd bring a block of cheddar cheese. I love cheddar cheese. Yeah. Yeah. I would love to be on this deserted Island with you. (laughs) Oh my God. That would be a dream come true. (laughs) I realized I didn't say anything sweet. I would bring a pint of vanilla ice cream. Oh, so good. I mean, I don't know how we were going to keep it cold, but whatever. Yeah, we'll it's a magical out. island, clearly. Right, 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 right. And I think, you know, there might be some fruit there too, for like a sweet mm. thing, but you never know. So, <laughs> 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 well, this is a delight. I could keep talking to you so much on this island, which is why I would love to to go there with you. But the name of this podcast, as you know, is, is let it out. So is there anything that you wish that I would have asked that you don't get to talk about? Do you feel like I squeezed you for all your lemon juice? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm just sort of sitting here amazed at how many things we talked about and I feel very heard and seen. And I, yeah, I really can't think of anything. We, I feel good. (laughs) I don't know. I feel good. Well, I feel good that you feel good. And I really enjoyed chatting with you. And I'm so grateful that you took the time. And it really means a lot. And your work is really meaningful to me. And I, I'm so happy to have you as as part of Let It Out. Well, I, I don't even know what to say. I really appreciate that. And this was really meaningful. And thank you for, for asking me and for having just really wonderful questions and for sharing a lot about, you know, yourself within them. So... Thank you. Mm, Thank you. Well, we always end with taking a deep breath and letting it out together. Mm, That sounds great. Okay, cool. So (laughs) inhale. Let it out. (sighs) Cool. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. I am so happy you're here. I'm so grateful for Julia for doing this show. I hope that you felt connected as you were listening like I felt when I was actually having this conversation with Julia. So I'll give you the emoji for the week in a moment. But first, I just want to remind you, Simply Julia is available for pre-order. And if you would like to join Creative Underdogs, now is the time. It's my membership club supportive group for people who listen to this podcast so if you want to connect with me more and other people who listen to the podcast and if you have any questions about it send me a dm on instagram or email me my email is katie at let it out with three t's 
at let it out and then three t's at the end of let it out or dm the let it out instagram it's also me (laughs) but yeah i would love to have you and follow let it out with three t's (laughs) or you can follow me at katie dalebout that is me as well and follow julia she's a delight on instagram I just want to remind you about my stereo show. So every week at noon Pacific time on Thursdays, join me on the new app Stereo. Stereo is a conversation app where you can eavesdrop on two people talking and join the conversation by leaving a voicemail. I would love for you to join this platform. It is really fun. I'm enjoying it. And I'm bringing my friends on there too, like Camilla and Maddie. And, you know, a lot of people, you know, friends of the podcast, Angie did it last week. So please join and follow me. It means so much and is so helpful and supports the show. So talk to you in stereo. And if you are still listening all the way to the end, the emoji for this week is the salad. Of course it's the salad. I can't believe last week's wasn't the salad. But have you made the Julius Caesar? I just bought some mayonnaise. I prefer the veganese and I'm going to be making a version of that salad probably later this evening. I love you and I'm so grateful again that you're here. Oh, let me tell you who the guests are this semester in Creative Underdogs because that might be enticing for you to join, but also no pressure. The guests this semester are friends of the podcast, people you know. It is my friend Phoebe Lapine, chef, author, screenplay writer, someone who wears many hats. My friend Christine Nguyen, who is a YouTube sensation, friend of mine, a content creator, a photographer, an artist, someone I really admire. And then we have Andre Vermeulen. Andre is an actress, a comedian. She's also done the podcast. She's tremendous. And lastly, Liana Sims. Liana Sims is the founder of Inner Play, Outer Work. She's been a previous guest of the podcast, and she will be talking about sharing and putting your work out in the world and completing that loop and finding play and growth and personal growth while creating. So any questions on Creative Underdogs, email me. I will talk to you next week with a brand new episode. Love you. Bye-bye.